welcome to the book club interview. My name is Scott Hollister, your host. Today's guest is Joe Fairless, who is a full-time real estate investor that started buying multifamily properties in 2013 and now controls over 400 million worth of real estate with a portfolio of over 4,269 units. He has personally raised over $100 million from private investors for real estate investments. Prior to that, he was the youngest vice president at an award-winning advertising agency in New York City. But he is host of the world's longest running daily real estate iTunes podcast, Best Real Estate Investing Vice Ever, where he has interviewed guests such as Barbara Conkran, Robert Kiyosaki, Emmett Smith, and Tony Hawk. Joe is also a regular Forbes contributor and author of the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever, Volumes 1 and 2, which has been personally endorsed by Barbara Conkran. So welcome to the show, Joe. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. I'm doing really well. Yeah, awesome. Great to have you on. Um, you've been putting out amazing content for years and years and uh, always been a fan. And when he came out with Volumes 1 and 2, um, just a, a great compilation of, of what you've put together with the podcast. So thank you for putting out that great content. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad to do it. And you know, I get a lot out of it as well because I learn from the people who I interview on my podcast. And then when we're writing the book, it reinforces that, uh, you know, Zig Ziglar talks about help enough people get what they want and you'll get everything you want. Um, you know, Tony Robbins, um, the secret to living is giving. So, you know, all, all sorts of different mantras I live by and they're all true. Oh, that's great. So you and Theo Hicks have written two books together, so volume one and two, and they're full of the inspirational stories with actual advice from your interview guest. Um, so how was that process of writing a book for the first time? Uh, you know, it, it would have been a lot harder if I we had structured it differently than how we did it. So mm -hmm. just to real quick how we structured it, which made it a lot easier, is I had done at that time probably a I don't know, like a thousand interviews, maybe 500 interviews. And we decided to make the book the highlights from the first 100 interviews. So I had already, I had already um, had, I had the content from the interviews for the first book. Therefore, it was really recapping the interviews, uh, summarizing the insights, and most importantly, making uh, actionable tip hmm. recommendations so that the reader can then act on the advice, not just soak it up. Uh, so hmm. it didn't take uh, as much thought process as it would if I was creating something from scratch, but it was an exercise in um, you know determining how do we make this advice actionable. Yeah, and I thought that was the best part. Now, I read a lot of books, and I love that actionable advice, just summarizing next steps and, and how you can apply that to, to your unique investing career. Um, and is that part of the layout that you try to incorporate with the show too? Yeah, absolutely. At the end of every episode, I uh, talk about the – I highlight some of the things that I learned from it. Uh, from that conversation and I do it on the fly. So I'm taking notes the whole time I'm talking to my interview guests and then I'm bolding things that I'm going to mention at the very end. And it's a 25 minute interview or so. So it's, it's happening really quickly. Mm -hmm. And then at the end I'm, you know, summarizing things and 
I'll call certain things out if you know, I think it, they're, you know, if they're, if my audience should pay particular attention to them. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so let's jump right into that layout of the first book. And you broke it up into six parts. So part one was best buy and hold. Part two is best fix and flip. Part three, best hybrid. Part four, best property management advice. Part five, best lending advice. And part six, the best overall real estate investing advice. Um, so let's run through part six real quick. Um, so what's your best advice that you can remember um, overall when it comes to real estate investing? Um, I think you know, at this point in my career, what I've realized is that the money's made in the execution. A lot of people talk about market cycles, buying rights, uh, picking the right market. Those are all important. Cap rates, those are all important. But the biggest risk factor, in my opinion, is in the execution of apartment community uh, and having the right team. For example, our smallest deal, 155 units in Houston, Texas, uh, it has had two hurricanes and one fire within 24 months. Fortunately, everyone was safe, and uh, with the fire, I mean, the whole building burned down, so we had to build a new one. Um, you know, it was one of many buildings that we have on the property, but still, it was a building that burned down. And if we didn't have the right team on the ground, to help execute the business plan, despite you know Mother Nature and and man-made challenges, the fire was a tenant leaving a candle on the on the, on the carpet and leaving Jeez. their apartment. But if we didn't have the on, right on the ground team, as well as the relationships with the you know insurance brokers and um, be able to work through that process, then those challenges would become um, deal sinkers. And the so the best advice ever uh, at this point in my career is, you know, the money's made in execution. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, certainly, all those other variables I mentioned before, how, what you buy it for, what's the cap rate, what's the what what market are you investing? and they're all they're all important. But ultimately, you know, we can all be spreadsheet millionaires, but can we actually become millionaires by executing on the vision we have in the spreadsheet? I love that. Um, so how, how do you currently focus to make execution happen each day and day and not get paralyzed um, by like doubt or inaction? Well, having the right team for sure. Team, and yeah. in order to have the right team, in order to have attractive team members, you have to be attractive. And so how, how do we become attractive if perhaps you know we're just starting out mm-hmm. or we're looking to scale and we haven't gotten to the next level yet where the most attractive team members uh, reside? And the answer to how we attract the most attractive team members is uh, through partnerships. You know, there are many ways that we can um, attract an attractive team member by dangling an incentive in front of him or her 
for partnering with us. For example, if you have a property that if you, if you want to get into larger multifamily properties, which is what I focus on, but you haven't yet, then uh, talk to the property management company that you are interviewing and ask them, hey, uh, would you like to partner up on the first deal? And uh, you could offer them equity in the deal just for free, just to partner up, and that would help you gain more traction with other uh, A players in the market, assuming that the property management company is an A player. For example, um, you, know, you could talk to the property management company, offer them, say, you know, 3% of the general partnership in exchange for you know just being on the deal and maybe signing on the loan. Mm -hmm. uh, you might not be able to negotiate signing on the loan, uh, especially if it's recourse, but if it's non-recourse, you might be able to, to do that because they're not used to having um, equity ownership in deals, assuming that they're typically a third-party property management company. And that will not only show, allow you, that will not only allow you to attract high quality team members, but it will also help you gain traction and attract private investors, assuming that you're ready to start raising money and bringing in private investors because the, the emphasis of your experience is shifted, the focus of that emphasis is shifted from your background or lack thereof to now you can talk about the property management company's background and their track record of doing case studies or of doing properties that are in a similar area. So um, that, that, would, that would be the, the approach that you know, anyone can take regardless of experience level. I love that, you know, bringing people on your team that if you don't have that experience or knowledge or a certain expertise, you know, bring that in and, and that's some great advice. Yep. Um, so, you know, what's the, and you're evolving every day. I mean, I just updated your, your bio again. And I think the last <laughs> time we talked, it was like just north of 300 million and now it's 400 million. So, um, you know, what's the best thing that you've learned um, in the last quarter to date of this year? Mm. Uh, well, uh, the best thing I've learned is that uh, all, all the things I've learned in the book called The Expectant Father, because my wife's pregnant. <laughs> and I, yeah, thanks. And I, I've been reading that book uh, on the side. Uh, she's due in like two, two months from now. Oh, great. Uh, so th th I'd say all the baby stuff, being a dad for the first time to a baby mm -hmm. girl or, or to dad in general, but we're having yep. a girl. Uh, so that, that's that, but that's not what you're really asking. So from a business standpoint, <laughs> um, the thing I've learned in the last three months, and I mean, oh, um, it, it, the building and yeah, building a network is more important than uh, most things we do in business. And that's what you do really a really good job of. I mean, you reached out to me via email, uh, offered to pay for my time. This was like, I don't know, a year ago or something. Offered to pay for my time, and you did. And we talked on the phone, and uh, we had a consulting session, whereas a lot of people 
just reach out, ask me questions, and I don't really answer, or I give them the answer of, of ask me specific questions at info at joefairless.com, and then I might answer them on our, a follow on Friday episode on my podcast, whereas you took a different approach, you added value in my life, and uh, we saw each other at the Philadelphia conference, at the Mid-Atlantic Summit, right? Philadelphia yep. one, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, now, you know, we've, we've, uh, now here we are. And you get it clearly. You got this podcast. That's something that has been reinforced as I'm launching this new book, the best, um, uh, best, best ever apartment syndication book, because it's just so smooth to talk to my friends who I've, in my opinion, I've added value to their life, and I think they would agree with that. And I'm like, hey, got this book coming out. Uh, here are some things that it's going to teach people. And they're like, oh, yeah, let me help you promote it. Let me email out to my list. Let me do X, Y, Z things. And that's the same – That type, that's a microcosm of what has gotten me – helped me get to this point with – my real estate portfolio from you know zero in 2008 to 400 million to today. And that is the people who invested with me at the beginning, they weren't investing in me because of my uh, me being a, a seasoned vet in real estate, because I wasn't. But they were investing in me because they uh, knew who I was, knew what I, what I was all about, uh, and they trusted that I would make sound decisions with the investment. And going back to what I was mentioning earlier, I aligned the event investment with other team members who had that experience. Uh, mm. So it was shifting conversation from my lack of experience to their years of experience and decades of experience. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, so much is, is in that you know last two minutes and i love it and i think that's um you taught me just from that phone conversation i've grown astronomically since then and um and i think i've i've learned that through watching others such as yourself and and i i never really ask what something costs i kind of ask myself what is it going to cost if i don't have it um mm -hmm. so it's kind of like flipping that coin and, and i like I, that yeah and um, so for the second part of the show, I, I know you just quickly mentioned it, but I want to talk about more about you and yourself, Joe, and then and how you got started and the success and struggles of that and your new book that comes out um, in September, which I just ordered today, which I'm super excited about. So before we get into that, um, I want to start, you know, from the beginning. So at what point, you know, did the real estate bug bite you? Was it a book, a seminar that grabbed your interest first? Uh, I, I just wrote down what you said, by the way, it wasn't going to cost them. I don't have it. That's what I was, that's what I was writing down. Uh, when did it, when did the real estate bug bite me? It was when I had a thousand bucks to invest. I walked past my bank. I saw in the window and a poster that was advertising a CD at a certain interest rate. It was more than what I was making in my savings account. I didn't know what a CD was, but I was like, well, it's more than what I'm making now, so let me invest it. I went in, gave them a thousand bucks. They held it hostage for 12 very long months, and I got it back a year later, plus 
So $1,000 plus another $16. So I guess we know what the interest rate was, right? But then I got taxed on that $16. <laughs> I'm like, goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I, when I, when I, when I saw that I got taxed on, I was, I was in New York City. I was living there at the time. And I swear it was just like slow motion. I did like a 360. Cabs were like in slow motion. Every sounds were really slow. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so I got taxed on my $16. And, I thought there's got to be a better way. I got to figure something else out. This is not the right approach for me. Uh, so I read the book Investing for Dummies. Talks about three different ways to invest: stocks, bonds is one, LLCs, startups is two, and then real estate investing is three. I gravitated towards real estate investing. My my uh, uh, dad was in. Uh, he was an agent in Flint, Michigan, in 1970s and 80s early 80s, you know, in the 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, good time at the beginning, terrible time towards the end. We had, ended up actually moving from Flint, Michigan to Houston, Texas because real his, his real estate uh, company went down the tanks um, and he got in another industry after that. But I, I, even though I was just a couple years old when we moved to Houston and I, he still exposed me to real estate after that when I got a little bit older. And then my sister is also a real estate agent in um, Fort Worth, Texas, Colleyville, a grapevine area, if you're familiar with Fort Worth. So, and she's incredibly successful real estate agent, high-end homes and does phenomenal job. So between those two, um, I got interested and then my sister mailed me Rich Dad Poor Dad um, and then I went to a seminar a Rich Dad Poor Dad seminar, uh, paid 300 bucks to go for the weekend class. And that was a bunch of money. I mean, it's still, you know, uh, it's a, still an, an investment, uh, but mm -hmm. it was all, it was a lot, a lot of money relative to what I had <laughs> at the time. Yep. Uh, and I went uh, and I, I just, I, I learned a whole lot. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that got me on my way. Nice. Now, um, you know, fast forward into the ad agency job in New York and leading up to leaving that nine to five. So um, I just want to know, what did that last two weeks look like, you know, and what did your boss say before you gave your notice? Well, it didn't quite happen that way, although that's how I envisioned it, but mm -hmm. didn't didn't happen as cleanly as that. So I have uh, on my wall, let me see, I Let's see what I look like on our camera here. Well, you probably, well, it's behind me on my wall. There's a printout print um, email that I sent to my family. And it was in October, well, I can't see from here, but it's like October 2012 is when I sent it. And it says, I came, I conquered, now I don't care about advertising at all anymore. I'm going to quit. At the beginning of January, so you know, like two months, we quit at the beginning of January, assuming my cash out refinance goes through on one of my single single family homes, because that would give me some cash to survive and try and make something happen until I ran out. And uh, that's what I planned on doing, because they also my the agency I was working at at the time had. Uh, what closed down for the holidays um, 
Christmas and New Year's. So there was like two weeks there. I mean, I was like, well, I'll make it through November and half of December, and then I get two weeks, and then I'll get my notice sometime in January. Well, that uh, that was a great plan, but then I went to work uh, on, I think it was a Friday in early December, and uh, the HR woman called me into the office, said, hey, can you come to the conference room? Just want to meet with you for a second, or you know, meet with you. So yeah, sure. Sat me down and laid me off. They said <laughs> we had... We we have um, we lost the uh, Procter and Gamble account as well as a couple others. Can't afford to keep you. We'll give you a severance package through the month of January, maybe February. I can't remember now, but it was longer than what I would have gotten. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to, I almost wanted to give her a hug. And yeah. I said, well, if there's anything you need from me, let me know. And she was like, what? Like, <laughs> like this is, I'm supposed to be saying that to you. I was the happiest person I've ever laid off, uh, especially that day. And yeah. uh, that that's how it worked. So, you know, it was just, th- there were no two weeks notice. It was, yeah. uh, I was out the door and, um, you know, l- looking back on it, clearly it, 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 and this is always the case in my opinion, it's, it wasn't that they had lost that major account, you know, Procter & Gamble. It was because I wasn't adding enough value to that agency to justify being employed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, the reason why, because the previous company, I was there for seven years, got promoted like six, seven times within those seven years went from you know, making $36,000 to like $130,000. And I mean, we just grew, I grew with the company big time. I was totally focused and dedicated to my craft at that agency. But then when I got to this next one, I really went there just for the money. Hmm. It was $150,000 salary, plus I got a bonus. And I, I, I didn't care about the work. I, I didn't care at all. I, I, I and I was more focused on doing other things with my life. And so that's that's a takeaway for anyone who's looking to to leave. Um, my suggestion is to stick around a, until you have determined um, based on what experience. Well, let me start over. So I was sampling life experiences while I was at that last advertising agency. And by that, I mean I was uh, doing stand-up comedy. I was doing improv. I was interviewing people on how to have a remarkable career. And I was going to create a book for that. I was teaching a class on real estate investing in single-family homes because a bunch of my friends were like, how do you buy these homes in Texas? You live in New York City. And I said, let me tell you. And then I had enough of those questions. I created a class on it. So I was doing that every weekend. And so I was sampling these different life experiences. And I didn't immediately quit when I had the idea um, because I did have the idea a little bit before I sent the email. I instead knew something was a little off and knew my full-time job wasn't completely cutting it. So I wanted to sample these certain these different things. And then I gravitated, gravitated towards real estate investing. And so my suggestion, if someone is looking to leave their full-time job, is in, instead of just going going off and leaving it, 
my suggestion is to do something that you can do on the side that gets you closer to generating income with that pursuit or with that passion project. Mm-hmm. And then once your full-time job gets in the way of that passion project and your passion project starts growing into, you know, it has a life of its own, then you can make the change. Oh, that's amazing advice. And, you know, I think that to echo that, you know, I left, I was a full-time teacher and I left last June and I also had my real estate uh, license for about two months. But um, just looking back, I wish that was part of the plan going forward because it, it was able to, you know, offset some putting food on the table and living expenses while still working in the same field. So mm-hmm. that that's spot on. Great. Yeah. Advice. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, um, you could you could do it the other way. You could just like completely quit and then you know jump out of the plane with no parachute. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's really stressful. It's mm-hmm. the it would be the equivalent of if you want to get into a large apartment community, like if you want to buy a large apartment community, it'd be the equivalent of you just going to find the deal and then hoping that your uh, money, you get the money for it and you get people sign on the loan for it and you get all the team members in place. I mean, it could happen, but it's, it's pretty risky and you're putting yourself in a corner unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, um, what about that time, you know, you leaving and then getting your first deal? I think you said it was around six months or so. Um, so, how was how stressful was that and you know how do you stay positive during that time of those, having those lows tony robbins videos on youtube <laughs> nice it, i discovered ted talks from yep. ted talks i discovered tony robbins uh and the uh ted talk he did where he gave al gore a high five and then from that i just became a Tony Robbins fanatic, watched everything on YouTube. I've got folders and folders on my desktop now of links to YouTube videos from Tony Robbins and notes. I was just recently clicking through them. You know, this is from five years ago. I was clicking through them and about 70% are no longer active because they're all copyright violations. Someone (laughs) illegally, you know, recorded them. Uh, But kind of glad they did because it really helped, <laughs> really helped me out um yep. but it's it just you know working on my mind more yep. than anything else and that's so tough to do whenever you don't have money coming in you got a lot more money going out it's so tough to think about hey i need to focus on my mindset first and then the money will follow uh, at the i mean i initially thought hey give me mechanics let me just see the tactics and i'll do the tactics but Tactics, I mean, even when you buy my book and you, you read my book on apartment syndication, it's the most comprehensive guide on how to do an apartment syndication from start to finish, terminology, finding a market, raising money, building a brand to attract investors so you don't have to find them, but you attract them, doing due diligence, underwriting, asset management, successfully closing and you know asset management and then rinsing and repeating. It's still not everything because there's always going to be gray area in mm. in the black and white process. I mean that because we're dealing with human beings. Like there's <laughs> infinite number of scenarios that can come up on a yeah. deal. And um, you know, so it, it's there there's there's a lot of um 
there's there's just a lot of things that um, you know we even with the step by step by step process, you know, there's a lot of a lot of gray. Yeah, but I think that's very important. I, you know, I the content that you do put out, and you have such a wealth of people coming on your show that you know your book gives. I'm sure it gives a great overview, right? And those gray areas you can kind of fill in through some more education and and listening to the podcast, and and that's part of the struggle in the first year is just how can you piece those little breadcrumbs together to to kind of become successful and um you know i'm sure your outline is is right on point so um i want to take a couple of talking points uh for the book so um you know what, what are some of your characteristics of a rock star mentor because i know mentors and having educators and teachers are very important so what characteristics should we look for um Therefore, one is being an expert and active in apartment syndications. Uh, the emphasis is on active because if you are active and you have a track record, then you're likely knowing your stuff. But if you're writing books, having podcasts, and doing you know speeches on stage, but you're not actively doing it at that point in time, things change, um, and maybe you're not as fresh. Uh, the concepts aren't as sharp, and so you'll want someone. So you'll want someone who's active. Uh, two is someone who offers a step-by-step system. And this is different than a done-for-you system. Anyone who promises to do it for you, uh, that's not good. The reason why is because think of lottery winners, most lottery winners. They win the lottery, and then what happens? They lose it, right? Mm -hmm. They lose it, then don't save enough for taxes, and then they end up right where they began with. But just have a cool story. So... I would suggest that it should be a step-by-step system for how to do something, but then you are responsible for implementing it along with them as your guide. Mm-hmm. And that's that's key. You want someone to, number three, be an ally to help you solve problems as they come up because, as I mentioned earlier, even with my book, hey, I, I, I hope. You read the book and you'll you'll have the playbook for how to do an apartment syndication, mm-hmm. but you know there's no way it's going to answer every single question that could come up. It's impossible for for the book to do that. So you want someone you can pick up the phone and call and say, "Hey, I I know uh, where I'm at in the process, and I know what I need to be doing. And I know the ultimate outcome of this process that I'm in right now, but here's a unique circumstance that came up." Um, you know the 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 seller is make is is making me go hard with my earnest money, um, or or they're requesting that I go hard with my earnest money day one in order for me to get the property under contract. What should I do? Any particular clauses I should put in the contract that could maybe um, get me out of this, uh, but in a backdoor way or. Mm-hmm. Um, should I just do it because that's what the market is? I mean, that's the type of stuff that you know, it's, it's you could have infinite amount of scenarios and, and permutations. Uh, so number three is ally to have someone to call on uh, who's responsive and 
and those are stuff. Number four is uh, relationships with apartment professionals. I mean, this is a team game. Apartment investing is a team game. And when we have a team member, uh, uh, a mentor who helps, who introduces us to their team members, then we're immediately attracting high level people or high, high quality people to um, our deals. And that makes, that makes a huge impact, huge financial impact. So one, mm-hmm. expert in apartment syndications and actively doing it. Two, offers a step-by-step system. Three, an ally to help problem solve. And four, relationships with apartment professionals that they can introduce you to. Beautiful. Um, it's amazing. So we got a release date of September 10th. Um, and I understand that you're, you're doing some giveaways in that, in that first week if you pre-order the book. You want to talk yep. about that? Yep. yep. Got a bunch of good stuff. Uh, nice. Gene Trowbridge wrote this book right here. I didn't know I'd be talking about it, but I happen to have it right here. Where there you go. Yeah. I, I don't even see my screen. So I don't even see, oh, there it is. There's my screen. There is, There's yeah. the book. All right. Uh, it's called It's a Whole New Business, the How-To Book of Syndicated Investment Real Estate. And he is giving away his ebook for that for free. Um, if you buy my book, now through the first week of launch, so I guess that'd be what the 17th. Now through September 17th, um, when you do that, you'll get the free ebook. Um, so really, getting two books in one. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, Seth Williams is given a book away, an ebook that he has, uh, and then I'm giving away a, a, a deal analyzer. Um, a deal tracker so you can track how you know your deal flow and and some other things too all if you pre-order or buy within the first week that's great and that, that gene is is another great author i've read that book as well and he's you know from the ccim um commercial designation as well and that th- those two books alone I'm, I'm i'm sure way undervalued for for the purchase price so um i can't wait to jump into it and read it so um yeah excited joe and and thank you so much for being on the show today um you know you want to tell listeners where they can find out more about you yep you can go to apartmentsyndicationbook.com that's where you uh, can see all the free stuff you get when you pre-order the book or order it during the first week that's apartmentsyndicationbook.com okay Perfect. And then I have one more bonus question. So uh, I've heard you reference this before um, and you kind of ask yourself, you say, what would a billionaire do? Um, mm-hmm. So how does that question help you adopt the mentality of a billionaire now? Oh, it, it, so, so often when we're building our wealth, we get caught up in uh, money being a factor for helping us grow. But as you said earlier, what would it cost me if I don't do it? Uh, and it's a similar concept. So what would a billionaire do? You know, if, if Richard Branson or, or someone like that, I think Richard Branson's a billionaire. If Richard Branson were to come across a problem, he likely would be approaching it not with how much does it cost, but what needs to happen, where do we need to go, and then what is the investment in order to make that happen. And I used the example when I was doing my first syndicated deal, it was a creative deal, I did a mass release with Optimum to Purchase, 
So I did not have to get an appraisal that I had an investor, actually a couple investors back out the last minute. And I, my money, my bank account was dwindling. But I thought, what would a billionaire do? And a billionaire would get an appraisal so that I could use that as a talking point to share with my current investors and then also, also other investors who had passed on it but maybe would come in because if it appraised for higher than what we're buying it for, then you know there's some equity in it. And that's what I did. I forked over 2,500 bucks, 2,500 bucks I really didn't have to fork over. Uh, and I was able to secure a couple more investors and close the gap on the funding and there you go. But if I would have had a, oh man, what does that cost mindset, then $2,500, that's a lot of money, <laughs> then yeah, I'd be stuck. And mm -hmm. you and I would not be talking today, uh, that's for sure, because I would, you know, be maybe working in an advertising agency or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Joe. Really appreciate it, um, and and for all your help and guidance over the conversations we had. Um, you, you truly helped my life out, and I love the content you put out. So thank you very much for doing that. Hey, grateful for our conversation. Great catching up with you. Yeah, you as well, Joe. Thank you. And that concludes our book club interview with author Joe Fairless, who also hosts one of the best real estate investing podcasts out there. I highly recommend you check that out as well. Uh, volume 1 and Volume 2 co-authored with Theo Hicks. Uh, just amazing books with inspirational stories with actionable advice from some of the best guests he's had on his show. That is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. Uh, you're going to learn so much in these books, step-by-step -step strategies to quitting your job, how to become an expert at raising private money, uh, keys to winning at real estate auctions, uh, four differences between good and bad deal. Um, you're just going to find so much knowledge, not only from Joe, but from people that he has these relationships with and has interviewed. So make sure you go check out those two books and also keep an eye out for his new book that is coming out September 10th. I will link that in the show notes along with his podcast. We want to say thank you to Joe so much for being on the show. And my name is Scott Hollister, your host. Make sure you check us out on Facebook. Subscribe to us on iTunes so you can stay up to date to the episodes and the authors that we're interviewing. And we'll see you next time.